North of the spine of the world and west of the towering Reghead Glacier is a frigid expanse few dare to explore, let alone inhabit. This icy land of windswept tundra recently became locked in a dark winter without reprieve, and the inhabitants of Ten Towns are dying. Icewind Dale has become trapped in a perpetual winter. Ferocious blizzards make the mountain pass through the spine of the world exceedingly treacherous. And this land has not felt the warmth of the sun in over two years. This adventure is definitely served ice cold. Our adventurers must find the cause of this curse and stop it. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, wherever you are. I, my name is Loco, and I am the DM for Rhyme of the Frost Maiden in Icewind Dale. Hi, I'm Robert. I am a dwarven cleric by the name of Durin Frostbeard from Kerr Koenig. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm playing Kriga Rakua, a deep gnome wizard from Blending Stone and Deep in the Underdark by way of Targus in Ten Towns. Howdy, I'm Joseph, and I play Yolia Runtar, the illustrious Scourge Azimir Warlock of House Runtar. You know of me, right? Hi, I'm Rolando, and I play Varian Verwinis of the House Verwinis. I've lived in the East Haven for the last hundred years of my life, trying to atone for a grave error I've caused. Greetings. I'm Montgomery Devereaux of the Tourmaline Devereaux, and I am a ASMR sorcerer. I am played by Greg. This is Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. My name is Loco, and for the recap, I'd like to ask Birian to go ahead and take it away. Last time, we, after finishing our feast uh, that was held in our honor for slaughtering the wolves and saving the village from that mayhem. We got in a good rest, headed out in the morning, and went back to the ice giant's house to load up the blubber. The trip there went pretty smoothly. We were able to load up the blubber with no issue. On the way back, however, we were ambushed by one of the fierce crag cats that had been bothering the city. We were able to take it down with light effort. The axe beak that was leading the sled managed to run off a little while, so we had to track it down, but in the end, we were able to get everything successfully back to the village. There, we discussed with the speaker and some of the other villagers potential ways to help reinforce their village and try and keep the crag cats away from stealing the fish. We learned that there's potentially a more intelligent, possibly humanoid creature that seems to possibly be controlling the crag cats. We also decided that tonight we may set up a plan to try and stop the little creatures that have been stealing the silverware and bothering Silja's family. Okay, thank you very much. As uh, Virian said, uh, it is in the evening. They have come back. They've uh, shared a meal again with Silja, her brother Finn, and mother Hilda, along with Edgra Dermut, the uh, speaker, 
And as you guys are kind of winding down the evening, it's not the evening or the the festivities are not that of the night prior. It's kind of a subdued evening. And just as you all are kind of finishing up maybe your evening hot beverage or whatever, there is a slight, almost imperceptible knock on the door. Everybody kind of looks at each other because the the hour is late. It's probably after 9 o'clock in the evening. And as the speaker, Edgra, goes to the door and barely opens it, as she sees who's on the other side, she quickly opens the door. And a huddled figure comes in, wrapped in all kinds of winter gear, can't see any face, facial features at all. And Edgra kind of leans down and as if she's listening to the person that is speaking, a kind of a wash comes over her face and she kind of writes herself just a little bit, puts her hand on the figure and you hear her very softly say, thank you. And the figure opens the door and heads back out into the night. Edgra turns from the door, pushing it slowly, latching it, and she begins to walk back past the fireplace over to the table where everyone is congregated. And she kind of Without thought, she kind of just plops down in her chair that is at the head of the table, staring off into the distance. After a few moments, she gets her wits about her, and she looks up, and she said, The speaker of Goodmead has been killed. And Sylvia, Finn, and Hilda all kind of collectively, just a very soft gasp comes from their, their lips and everybody kind of in turn just slowly turns their heads and looks at the party. I know he's very grumpy, but I promise he was with us all the time, wasn't he? Who's He was sleeping with one of you, unless you're all in it together. Hush. <laughs> How did he die? It, it, it seems that there has been a plague, if you will, of vermites attacking their town. It started off, yes, yes, they are, they are almost giants in the land. But yes, yes, they are, they are very, they can be very marauding types. They, they have, it seems, been stealing produce. Uh, you see, uh, for, forgive me, um, I'm not quite thinking straight, but Goodmead is, is, as the town name would suggest, its main manufacture is mead, honey mead. They, they have found a way to keep bees in their mead house, and the bees thrive in this environment and produce many, many honeys. And they are able to even export to Bryn Chandra and some of the larger towns their, their sweet honey mead. And as of late, uh, I had heard about this several weeks ago, that there was, who knows, marauders of some kind that were stealing some of their, their, their shipments to the larger towns. And it seems as though this time the speaker went out to try to stop them with another man, and he was killed in his efforts to save three kegs of this honeymead that were bound to Bryn Shander. I must be honest, he was not very close with myself. But at some of the town meetings, you know, we did strike up conversations many, many eons ago before this winter plague has come upon the Ten Towns. Dugan's Hole and Goodmead were bitter rivals because we both fished the Redwaters. As a matter of fact, that's how the name Redwaters came about. Our feud 
if you will, was so bitter, the waters here ran red with the blood of both towns, thus the name Red Waters. But in, in the past, oh, decade or so, our towns have put those things beside or behind us. We continued to fish and to hunt, and good meat has become more prosperous with their shipments and their exporting of this honey ale or excuse me, honeymead. It is such a shame. I, I don't know what the town is going to do now without a speaker. Well, what happens when a speaker passes normally? Are they elected? Uh, uh, yes, um, the town must put together a vote. Uh, of course, there, well, there should be those who are willing to take on the position of speaker, town speaker. Uh, but of that, I do not know. It, it appears he has only uh, been killed in the last few days. I, I hardly think that is enough time to uh, set up such a vote without uh, even mourning the one that has passed, so I'm sure it has not happened yet. I hesitate to ask this, but you are the only ones that I know of that could possibly investigate this and, and even bring it to an end. Is there any way I could ask the five of you to take on this dangerous and daring expedition? It seems like something we should be able to handle. I will do what I can to help you as you leave in the morning. It is about a four-hour walk from here to Goodmead, but I will see what I can do to speed you along your way. I am sorry I will bid you good night. Sleep well, my friends, and please make yourself at home for the last night. You are always welcome here in Dugan's Hole. And the other three at the table, they, they nod their heads and... Sylja puts her hand on yours, Ilir, only briefly for a moment and then takes it off again. And with that, the speaker pushes back from the table, stands up, and heads off to her room. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying that much attention. What happened? We're going to go get to the bottom of what's happening at the other town and find out what killed their speaker, take care of what killed their speaker, and hopefully keep the place together while they find a new one. Other town? What other town? I like this town. Honeymead. They make... Honeymead. But. But. I like it here. You want to spread the glorious name of your family, don't you? Could be a hero to multiple towns. Well, it's true. You would all be lost without me. I mean, isn't that right? No, you can stay here. We can go on without you. No, worry about it. You're no longer needed. No, no. Gonna look at Soja. I mean, they would be helpless without me, wouldn't they? Nope, not at all. We'll be just fine. You stay here and get married to this lo- lovely young lady. Oh, uh, marriage. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to rush anything. I mean, you don't want to rush anything, right? Yeah, of course not. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, where were we going again? You you said to the to the to the warm mead. Honey mead. Honey mead. Honey Good mead. mead. Nope, never heard of it. Oh, righty then. Good mead. So what do they need? Uh, motivational speech? What they could use best from you is silence. Oh, no. My voice is my gift to the world. Can we return it? No returns accepted. All right. With that little bit of banter out of the way, the three of the Dijar family, they, they stand up. And they bid you all good night as they put on their winter clothing. Finn opens the door. The mother steps out. Silja turns around and looks at Ylir and smiles 
It's a different kind of smile because of her pointy teeth, but it's not abhorrent by any means. It's actually quite endearing for her, but she, she smiles, that little embarrassing little nod that she has, and then she quickly turns and heads out the door, and Finn, uh, as he's about to walk out, he stops and he turns around and he goes, could you use my assistance? Could you use a sixth? I, I don't get out much out of Dugan's Hole. I, I would really uh, I like to come along with you, but I understand you you are bonded in your... It's it's not that, boy. You're, it could be dangerous, and we can't have your death under conscience. Sorry, kid. I, as much as that pains me, I do understand, and I, I appreciate your, your candor, and, and you're willing to uh, speak to me as a man. Thank you for that. And good night, and we will see you in the morning before you leave. Good night. With that, he pulls the door to, and you're left alone in the speaker's hall. If you guys uh, are going to just go to bed, we can give you a long rest. I don't know that anybody needs anything from the long rest. But... Uh, I'd get a spell slot back. All right, we will do that then. I don't know if you guys want to make a watch. It's nope. up to you, but... That sound is the sound of your uninterrupted sleep or trance. Uh, you wake in the morning to the smell. I mean, it's obviously dark because it's almost dark for 20 hours of the day. But you smell bacon, you smell meats, you smell coffee. And as you come out of your rooms, depending on which one wakes first, it matters not because they've already been in the kitchen for at least an hour. When you come out, there is Silja, there is Hilda, there is Finn, and there is Edgra. They're all either in some variation of cooking, prepping, or setting tables, pouring coffee, as they see you come out, they all say good morning to you. And unless you have some small talk that you uh, just need to RP and get through, we can have your breakfast. And it's much like every other morning. It's it's bacon, potatoes, some red meat, uh, eggs if you need them. The fireplace is stoked and, and uh, nice and warm in this room. Coffee is the coffee that Montgomery likes. It is the Chaka... Chalky milk? Chalky milk, thank you. As the time goes by, you spend about an hour eating and prepping yourselves and your gear. As you uh, head towards the door to leave, Edgar kind of beats you to the door and as, or before you can open it, she puts her hand on the handle and says, I hope this will make things easier for you. And as she opens the door, you see by the what little light is spilling out of the windows of the speaker's hall, there are five dog sleds slash beak axe sleds. Now, there's one beak axe sled and four, four dog dog sleds, each with a driver. She says, this should cut your, your travel time in half. It, you should be there in, in approximately two hours pending any setbacks or uh, stoppages. I hope... This is okay. Well, now this is more like it. We should be treated like this every day. Ha! Huh. I hope that all will be well. Please know that you will always be welcome here. You have done so much for us. And as she is speaking this, Silja 
steps up to you, Ilir, and she is a little bit shorter than you, so if you, you she says, I hope I am not being too forward. And, and she kind of puts her hands up to either side of your face. Do, do you mind? Of course not. She takes her hands very, very tenderly, places her thumbs uh, beside each ear in front of your ear with the rest of the fingers behind your ear. She closes her eyes and touches her forehead to your forehead, and you hear her mumbling something. You can't quite make out what she's saying, but you feel a warmth come from her hands and from her forehead. This takes about 30 seconds or so, and as she releases your, your face and pulls her head from your forehead, she her eyes are still closed, and she steps back about half a step, and she looks you directly in the eye, and she says, May this protect you while you are away. Everybody else that's uh, witnessing this, you now see... Uh, what color is your hair, Ilir? Uh, it's black. Black? All right, right above where Silja's hands were, you see a little, like a circle of... It's not blonde, it's not gray, it's it's almost white. And then on his forehead, you see description being anything else. It looks like a bruise. It's a kind of a little red mark on his forehead that goes down between his eyes, over his nose, past his lips, over his chin, down his neck, and underneath his tunic or his shirt. Ah, well, I mean, that was... Not what I was expecting, but not completely unpleasant, I guess. And no experience say it looks like a betrothal to me. Uh, well, <laughs> there are different customs for different people. She uh, looks <laughs> at you when you say that, and, and she gets really red. She turns exceedingly red. She turns and looks at you, and she goes, No, no, no. That, that, that is not, not the case at all. I merely want you to be safe while you are away. And with that, she kind of turns very quickly and goes back to cleaning up the dishes and things. As she tries to turn away, can I grab her by the arm? Yeah. I'm going to pull her in and give her a kiss. This is how we do it in Waterdeep. <laughs> she doesn't resist, but it, you can tell it's a shock. Her mother, you see, looks over and has kind of a wry smile. And as you release her, her face is very, very red now. But she has a smile on her face. Okay. I do... Hold on, I can check how much money I have left. I want to... Before we leave, I do want to slip them, like, four gold. Just to help them out while we're gone. Because they technically don't have money still. They have a house, but we'll give them money. But I don't want to actually, like, give it to them. I'm just going to, like, stuff it in a pocket while she's not paying attention. Okay, very good. And uh, you do feel a little different, Ilir. Hard to put your finger on it, but you feel a little different. The, the fellas that are there with you, anybody else in the room, sees what I kind of described on your face and in your hair. As a matter of fact... See, does um, anybody tell him this? Because I'm assuming he doesn't see this yet. Nope. No, he does Don't not say a word. He doesn't see it, but... The marks that you see on him look a whole lot like that. The gems, specifically, okay, looks a whole lot like that. Uh, I know our listeners... Looks like he's wearing war paint. Uh, kind of, yeah, but it's not. It's very subtle. It's not like blue or anything. It's just very subtle 
maybe if someone were to do some tan spray paint or something, you might see that. Am I orange? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's just the, uh, your skin is just a little bit darker in this area. The where her hands were cupped around your ears, the two, the two gems, the large gems. That's what it what has turned your hair white. Uh, the one on your forehead is large like that. You know, not large, but you know, we'll say an inch or two, maybe. And then the rest of them come from around behind your ears and meet right at the uh, bridge of your nose, and the rest goes on down like that around your face. I mean, if you wanted to, anybody that has any knowledge of what this item is, I'll let you make a check. But it's going to have to be pretty high because this image is of a ring. Well, as a forge cleric, I might have a knowledge of rings. Okay, yeah. What would you like me to roll? Uh, give me... Let me see what kind of check we get here. I'll let you do Arcana, Investigation, Insight, or, or one of those three, whatever you're proficient in. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you know instantly what that mark is. Well, at least you recognize it from an actual item, but the, the rune itself is identical to it. Okay. You would know that to be the uh, rune or the marking that comes from a ring of protection. Good to know. I would kind of grumble and look away. <laughs> okay. So it, does anybody else, Dern, I see you rolled. Uh, yeah, that uh, I'll let that one go. Um, Krieger, before we pass you up, I saw that you did a port rolls. Yep. What did you want to do with that? Nothing. I just your robo is after my long rest so okay. that I could use him during the day. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Durin, yeah, you also recognize, although you've never owned one, you, you've kind of studied it and seen this rune that is upon that ring as a ring of protection, or at least the symbol is. Okay. And uh, Yalir, you're, you're basically... Uh, not to say out in the cold, because you haven't made it out there yet, but you don't really understand what everybody's kind of looking at on your face. They're not staring, but yet they kind of keep glancing over at your face. And you can oh, feel I'm, I'm used to that. I mean, when you look this good, <laughs> everyone wants to take a glance. Okay, so with all that to, out of the way, the sweet goodbyes and uh, the uh, obvious help and appreciation that the town it is showing back to you for all of your help. You guys load up in these five sleds. There is room enough for all of your gear. There is even nice warm furs to cover up in. And with that, you wave goodbye, say your goodbyes, and you head off to the new town of Goodmeat. It will take you about two hours, thereabouts, on these sleds. You're going to be leaving probably at about 9.30 in the morning, or 10 o'clock, I should say. It was took you about an hour to eat breakfast. Uh, this, the sun, if you want to call it the sun, or at least the uh, dimming of the darkness into a twilight comes up at about 10 o'clock as you're hitting the road to Goodmead. It's about a four-mile, four-and-a-half-mile trek to Goodmead. And the wind and the snow are, as usual, just coming down as you go. 
in uh, approximately two hours or so, uh, you pull up, you see the first house on the right, sharing the map with you to good mead. Most of you, again, are from at least around this area. You may have or may not have visited good mead. But if you like the honey mead that they produce, it would not surprise me that all of you that uh, have drank it have come here to see the process. As you pull into the town, it's still dim light outside. Come into the town. The sleds kind of veer off to the right as you come into the town. About a two, two and a half minute ride to the largest building in town, which is the Mead Hall which is much different than Dugan's Hole. There was no drinking establishment there. There was no inn. There was no tavern. There was nothing of the sort. But because of the good fortunes of the people of Goodmead, they have their own mead hall. And as the five uh, sleds make the 90-degree turn to the north and pull up in front of the mead hall, everybody grabs their things and says goodbye and thank you to the sled driver sleigh drivers sled drivers and they immediately take off so they can get back to Dugan's hole before darkness sets in. Wait, our chauffeurs are leaving. They're not just leaving us here, are they? With a, we do have okay. a life to get back to. If you hop on you can go back to your girl. Well they've already uh driven off and I I must spread the glory of my name here. I'm going to wave it if there's just any random person around. Ah, ah. <laughs> you stand there kind of like in the middle of the street out in front of the Mead Hall. You uh, look up and you see this image uh, above the main doors. It is a shield-looking wood adornment on, on the middle of it. looks to be some kind of a tankard with a what appears to be an antler that has been put into the side of it for putting your hand in and and raising your glass, so to speak. As you uh, open the main doors to the Mead Hall, you'll see maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20 people standing around. It's not really jovial, but there is a, a thrum of talking and there are people drinking, obviously. As you uh, walk in, people kind of stop and, and take you in, looking at you as you come in. You close the doors behind you, and there you see the uh, fairly large main room. Uh, the the uh, actual building on the inside is, looks like a T. The main drinking area, if you will, is uh, the cross of the T and the, uh, the tail of the T that goes on our map to the northeast looks to be where they keep a lot of their kegs and their they store their overstock or their their soon to be requisitioned stores for uh, export can't really see all the way back in there there's a curtain in front of an opening but there's a long bar that splits right in the middle that goes from the top of the T to the bottom there tables all throughout the main area and you know people look at you for a moment just maybe wondering if you are either buyers or possibly just uh, advent not adventurers but uh, passers-by that have come in to taste 
the goods. There are at least two bartenders at each, a long bar. There are serving maids galore. Uh, there seem to be at least seven of them that you can count at the present time, just picking up empties, dropping down fulls, and, and that's what you see. It's it's pretty happening place compared to the last town you were in. Just gonna wave at everyone. Ha! It's me. I'm finally here. I know y'all been waiting. How you doing? Just walk right up to the bar. <laughs> you see people that have got a a, a flagon to their lips as they pull it away. They have the uh, the foam on their mustache or beard or lip, and they kind of wipe it away and look at him like, "Who is this guy?" But they keep on drinking or talking. I will walk up to the bartender and be like, "Huh." You have our reservations, right? Yalir Vintar of House Vintar, emissaries of the Lord Praetor. Oh, and my manservants behind me. They're back there somewhere. Yes. Don't mind that one, he's grumpy. And don't mind that one, he's stupid. I, I, um... He doesn't have a very good grasp of common. It's okay, he's little. I am quite fluent, you moron. Shush. He mistakes Master Moron all the time. I know, isn't it just crazy? Can't get good help up here, can you? You're fired. Get out of here. I, uh, I know, I know, you're cold. It's fine, we'll get you some. Oh my god, would you just shut up already? <laughs> the bartender looks past these two at the other three of you, like, with this, like, look on his face, like, what is going on? Help. I just kind of shrug. Uh, I, I am sorry, um, uh, reservation, uh, I, I'll head up to the bar, and it, he's a little eccentric, but we were over in, um, Dugan's Hole, and someone came to let us know that apparently there was a bad, uh, or a horrible event, and your speaker has passed, and they asked us to come help y'all out in this troubling time to help resolve the issue and hopefully assist in electing a new speaker for your town. Oh, well, um, that's mighty kind of you. I, it's all been such a shock, you know. Our, our speaker, I, I'm not sure that you even knew his name. His, his name was Speaker Kendrick Reisenbarrel. He was killed by... Verbeek trying to rescue a shipment of uh, our honey mead on its way to Bryn Shander. It was horrifying. It, it, uh, the man that was with him said the, the Verbeek took a, a spear and jabbed him three times in the chest before he could blink an eye, and he lay there dying. They did not even stop to fight. They merely cared, killed Speaker Kendrick and went on with the three kegs of mead. Quite unsettling. And yes, you, you you are right. We must put aside this tragedy and and elect a new town speaker. Yes, well, it may be hard in these troubling times, and of course no one wants to think you've forgotten him so soon, but you must put the good of the town first, and someone does need to maintain control, or else things may get even more chaotic while y'all mourn. Now, these verbeeg could you tell us more about them? Do they live particularly anywhere? Are they just... 
oh, come yeah. through and take what they want. Uh, they... Verby? Did you say Verby? Oh, you don't know about Verby. We, you know, Drizzt and Wolfgar cleared the whole den of them. Not that far from here one time. And, you know, it was just two of them. So, I mean, one of me should be more than enough. We can do this, right? It's, we don't need any more information. Just point us in the right direction. Again, eccentric. We will take as much information as we can get. Oh, oh, yeah, of, of course, yes. Um, well, uh, they're, they're, from what I understand, they uh, live in uh, uh, some caves uh, outside of town, just on the eastern side of the forest. Uh, I told you they like caves. Well, well yes. Um, but yes, they, they, uh, the ones that we know of anyway, that, that is where they, they live, is in these caves. Do you know about roughly how many are there? I, we heard it was kind of an infestation or swarm of them coming around lately. Uh, well, um, this is the first instance they've been seen. Other times they have just caused uh, avalanches or thrown large rocks, and and, and those that were making the, the uh, shipments just ran. This is the first time that they have actually been seen and in, had an encounter with the, the speaker, you know, he was he was tired of this happening, and he wanted to ensure the town was no longer molested and that our shipments and our livelihood would continue on. I see. So he tried to put an end to their annoyance of the town and seems to have paid the price for that. Uh, yes, I am afraid so. Uh, and, uh, yes, the, the the only thing that I have been able to talk to uh, the man that went with him is that these things are giant in in, in excess of eight feet. They, they they there was three of them and they each carried a keg of our mead under their arms like they were carrying a ewe lamb. It was quite unsettling. Yes, they do seem like they could be quite formidable, but we've had our fair share of trials can definitely take a look and see what we could do to help perhaps drive them out of these lands that, that is uh more than we could ask of strangers oh where are my manners uh this is your first time in good meat uh, am i correct yes i'm not sure of the others but this is the first time i've been here well here let me uh warm your bones this is on me uh, on the house as they say Please, have a flagon of our finest honey mead. I, I believe uh, you will enjoy it. It go goes down smooth and, and will warm your bones. And uh, as with that, he spins around, soon fills up five of the flagons, a beautiful golden froth on the top that just comes to the top of each one, expertly pour poured and uh, he, he puts them down on the bar. He says, please, please, enjoy. We, we can talk more of the other things at a later time. But for now, please, enjoy the afternoon and, and, and the evening. Uh, you or Will look to see which one looks fullest. That's obviously his. Okay, you uh, find it and you take hold of it. I will grab the other one. Thank you for your kindness. Oh, uh, well, yes, yes. Please, uh, make, make yourself at home. I, I, I'm not sure that too many will speak with you. Um, they are still trying to understand what has happened. 
A and I am sure the talk right now is of who is going to be eligible or who will be in the running for the election in a couple of weeks' time. Yes. I, I do have one question more before we get on with the evening. Yes. Are, as far as you know, are these things more active in the daytime or at night? Uh, he kind of looks past you out the nearest window and he goes, well, as hard as it is to discern day from night here, I, I, I am pretty sure that it is mostly at night. All right. Thank you for your information. Uh, yes, quite. As you find a uh, open Go table, yep, you find an open table, and as you uh, taste it, it is very sweet. Uh, well, not sickeningly sweet, but you can taste the honey. It tastes of a clover-type honey. It, it almost tastes warm, but it's not. As it enters your mouth and goes down your throat, it's just as he says. It, You can feel the warmth just kind of like emanating from your esophagus and stomach out to the rest of your body. Before you even know it, you're looking at the bottom of the flagon. You didn't even realize you were either that thirsty or uh, that you downed it that quickly, but it was almost as if you were not even drinking any type of alcohol. So I will down my mead and then step in the middle of the room and be like, don't worry, stop being mopey people. You're Lear and companions are here to deal with these vertebrae and murder them and then We'll make your town better. I mean, it's already better now that I'm here, right? Everybody kind of stops and turns and looks at you. They're all looking and waiting. They don't know what to think of someone so bold and brash. Yep. Yeah, that's about the right response. He's used to being people being stunned and awed in his presence, so he's going to tip his drink, finish it off, and just strut over to where the rest of them are. He's made his declaration. As everybody kind of slowly turns their heads back to one another with a like, what was that all about? Look, the thrum of talking um, kind of comes back so everybody hears it. I mean, yeah, so you're there. That the, uh, as I've said, the the meat is excellent. You can see why uh, they have a good export business to the larger towns. And, and Yalir, I'm sure you've had this before. If I guess you lowered yourself to drinking mead, but it is well known in ten towns. Well, I do kind of prefer mine spiced, a little mulled, but you know, it's quite nice. Uh, Elf, why don't you get me another glass while you're at it? You know where the bar is. It's right over there. But I'm deep in conversation with my friend here, and he's going to turn and face Krieger and then be like, uh, he's going to turn and face Durin. Uh, so, Dwarf, where are you from again? Not here. Why don't you go over to the bar and get yourself a drink and sit there? Well, I wouldn't want y'all to be more. bereft of my company. I mean... We you look would. so dire and sour already. I mean, what would that's you do without me? That's because you're. That's because we're in your company. Oh no, no! You don't have to act like that. I know 
You're just so glad to have me by. No need to be embarrassed. It's a common occurrence. I'm at a loss for words about how someone could be so dumb and in denial. All of a sudden, there's a, a, a few of the men that have been drinking and, and speaking. They, they come up to you. They're standing at your table. So you say you can, uh, you can take care of all troubles, can you? You, pretty boy. Is that what you're saying? Well, of course. I mean, we slew the, the frost giant and mammoth that were bothering Dugan's hold. You know, they're in much better shape. Oil for days over there. So you mm. say. You don't look like you can handle much, Sonny. Look, what looks can be deceiving. I mean, look at my little friend here. He's so grumpy and dour, and yet I've seen him shoot fire from his very hands. Oh, really? Well, you are formidable then, aren't you? Well, listen. Yeah, I am, but he's kind of weak. Don't rub it in too much. Right, okay, listen. I think you've heard already. We've lost our speaker. And as bad as that is, things are getting worse because our shipments are not making it to the destination, if you know what I mean. This is our livelihood. This town, we all pitch in, we all raise some bees, we all make the honey, and the bartenders there, they make the, the mead. We ship it off and we all get a share of it. What's and happening to your shipments? They're being knocked off, aren't they? Any idea by whom? Four out of the last six have been, been taken or destroyed. Can't make a living like that, can you? Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, we know who's doing it. That's the Who? ones that killed our speaker, Kendrick. He's Verbeek. Verbeek, yeah. Great joint, fellas. For some reason, here recently, last... Oh, what? Hey, boys, last six months or so, they, they've knocked off four out of six shipments to bring Shanda and, and, and off into... Uh, the other large cities around here, large towns. Look, we're only about a hundred folk here. We make a good living when we can supply the need. If we can't supply, then we get no money. Right. So this one here is shooting his mouth off like, wow, oh, we can do anything. We're here to help. Is that right, pretty boy? Can you help? Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, we also slayed the talking wolves and uh, rescued the yeah, very yeah. lovely so young lady. Yeah, yeah, so you say. You, that's what you keep saying. Well, look, we can't pay you in money, right? We we make enough to live our lives as we have them. But look, if, if you can help out this town, we, we've got other things on our minds. We've got to elect a new speaker. We haven't even buried the one we had. He's over there in the Shrine of the Flaming Sword. He's meant to be buried in two days. Oh, you poor people, always thinking about money. I have no need for your money. We were going to solve your problem just because it is the right thing to do. And we'll have it done before the fires take your speaker. Oh, that's big talk from a little man, isn't it? Well, you've got me convinced, matey. If that's I what you can do, then... Krieger, it's like, was he speaking? If that's what you can do, I'd love to see you do it. I tell you what, I know this sounds, uh... Pretty dingy, but the speaker's house is vacant. We can give you food and lodgings, and, well, I won't say as much as you can drink, but we will give you some mead. So the food and lodging and mead is taken care of. That will be your pay. If you can recover these free kegs of our latest shipment so we can get it on to Bryn Shanda in a timely manner, we would be most appreciative. 
We were just about to head out right now, weren't we, fellas? And as for the house, we'll use it for now. But you know, in the future, such a large house for a speaker seems a waste. You know, I don't see any infirmaries or hospitals. Maybe a, a way for the poor and infirms. Consider maybe using that house in the future for that. And the speakers could have a more humble abode. They are supposed to be serving the community, aren't they? Well, yeah. But they have a lot of responsibilities, don't they? And the other two guys stand with him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got responsibilities. More than you? Well, of course. I don't want to I go to no meetings. I think you're just as important as the, any well, speaker. Well, yeah, I'm important. <laughs> but look, I don't know anything about uh, politics. I don't know anything about uh, running a town and going to these meetings. I can raise some bees. And I make a good honey. The family and I, you know, we do all right. If this bloody ice cold weather just go away, we, we'd be thriving community again. As it is right now, we barely a hundred people here. We'd be most appreciative. We, we can't muster an army. We, that, that was another one of the jobs of the uh, speaker to, to do that kind of thing. And so since he's not here, yeah, well... Not to speak ill of the dead, but obviously he wasn't doing a very good job then, was he? Mate, you better watch your tongue. Kendrick was beloved in these parts. He was a fine man and even a better speaker. I I'll overlook you said that this time. Any more of that kind of talk, you may not be able to. I may be taking that tongue of yours. Right? Ooh, I'd like to see that. Right, look. We're not here to argue, we're not here to fight you say you're going to do us a service then much obliged and thank you very much if you're going to leave now it's on the edge of the forest on the north side caves right it's only been a couple days you might still be able to find the tracks oh i will find the tracks and i'll expect a better attitude when we get back come along gentlemen we have work to do he will get up and start heading to the door, just assuming everyone's going to follow him, because... I'm going to finish my meat. Well, I'm actually going with him tonight, and it'd be better to, you know, maybe investigate the area and formulate a plan, but... Yeah, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon by now. Um, it's still dim light. You've got about another hour of that, and it'll take you all of that to get to these caves. As you're heading out the door, one individual kind of comes up behind you. He's a he's a fairly big fella. He's probably about seven and a half, almost eight foot tall. And he introduces himself as Simon. Huh! Don't sneak up on me! Huh. Uh, Jesus, what have they been feeding you? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, uh... Oh... Uh, I, I heard you over. I, I, I overheard you talking. And, um... Sorry, I wasn't eavesdropping, but, uh... Look, I, I, I'm... I, I'm the one... Who took... Well, excuse me, I, I brought... Uh, Speaker Kendrick back. Well, he and I, uh... He, he and I went up there trying to get them, the mead cakes back. Yeah, it, it, it was horrible. But uh, I, I, if you like, uh, I, I could uh, 
I could show you where the caves are, if you'd like. Uh, I, I, I don't require any money. I just re want to see justice done. Uh, actually, it's not justice at all, is it? It's revenge. He was a friend of mine. He's always good to me. Uh, most people think I'm... I, I, I can't tell dark from light, but I, I can sure take you to the, the caves. It, it, that is, if you'd like. I, I, I won't be staying. I'm not going to be around none of them things again. But uh, I, I'd be glad to take you if you like. Well, of course, and you don't let anybody talk down to you just because you're a little slow. I mean, I bring you along this one, and he's going to motion back to Krieger, who's still sitting at the table. No, no, I, I've heard that one speak. He's, he's quite, uh, uh, got quite a good tongue on him. He's, he's like a magpie. They repeat everything. You a, get used to it. Don't be fooled. Got a you, of, though, sir, boy. strapping fellow, are you sure you're not a verbi yourself? You're, oh, no, no. What did he feed you? <laughs> yes, I have a a, a, a a bit of giant in me uh, along my lineage. Um, uh, I think that's the word. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've got a bit of giant in me. Uh, are you ready to go? Oh, yes, I'm ready. And I'm going to turn back to where everyone, I'm assuming everyone else is still just at the table. And I'm going to speak very slowly. Come along, guys. We have work to do. Walkie, walkie. You've got to talk to him slow, Simon. Trust me, you are leagues above these fools. Well, that's very kind of you, sir, but uh, I've heard most of them talking. Again, not me stopping in, I think. Uh, uh, one of them has quite a bitey tongue. A bit of fire in that tongue, at least to you. Uh, the others seem to be quite well-read as well. But it's no, no matter. Uh, come, we, we should be gone for it. it the light, what little light there is, is gone. And he heads towards the door. And he ducks down and heads out the door. Uh, I will follow him out, just assuming everyone's going to follow. I get up and follow. I shall begrudgingly follow. Alright. I'll, I'll drain my meat and then follow. Okay. As uh, everybody catches up out in... Uh, the front of the mead hall. He begins to tell you the story of what happened. Basically, there was a, a town, I guess militia, if you wanted to call of it. Uh, there was five men with a dog sled that were taking these three kegs to Bryn Shander. Uh, when they got waylaid, all five never returned. And that's when the next day, when they should have been back, the speaker, Kendrick, and himself took off trying to follow the pretty fresh tracks. They found a place where there was a scuffle and then there was a three sets of tracks that went off through the forest to the other side of the forest where they came upon three camping verbiegs. And when they basically had words with them saying, you know, that they wanted the mead back, they were attacked. And then he tells you the gruesome story of how he was his friend, uh, the speaker Kendrick, was within the blink of an eye uh, stabbed three times with a spear in the chest. And upon seeing his friend fall, he himself not being a fighter, he took off and came back to try to find help. With that, uh, he tells you the story on the way 
in much more detail, which takes almost the whole time. You get in about in the middle of the forest, and he, he begins to tell you that it's not far ahead. The tree line is, you know, just another uh, 60 yards or so. He, he, he begs you to uh, be prepared. Uh, he does not know what is going on, but he just wants... He's seen enough death and bloodshed in the last 48 hours. Okay. Ylir will summon in his spectral sword to swirl around him. Okay. As you take another about another 20 yards, uh, you see a figure in cold weather clothing lurch out of the woods into plain view. Running as fast as he can through the deep snow, slung over his back are a pair of animal traps one of which appears to contain a panicked fox. Ylir will draw his sword and shield. Not sure why this man is running. Hey, where are you going? Don't you know it's dangerous out here? There's Furby around. That's not a Furby, is it? And look no. at Simon like, huh? Oh, oh, no, no. No, that's, that's much too small for a Furby. And with that, the uh, the figure stops, and he looks at you, and he he just doesn't move. He just stands there like uh, he wasn't expecting anybody out here. Don't just stand there with your jaw hanging. What's the matter? I'm but a mere trapper. I I I was out in the woods checking my traps when I I, I came upon a grisly scene. A a a a five five five. Five members of Goodmead's militia. Their skulls and chests were all caved in. I, 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 I came, I, I came running home as, as soon as I saw it. It's, it's that way. Uh, just follow my tracks. You won't be able to miss it. It, it was, it was gruesome, I tell you. Well, as he's talking, uh, you, you see he's kind of trying to talk with his hands a little bit. He's got this trap. Uh, it's it's a, one of those humane traps. Basically, it's a cage, and it's got this fox in it. And every time he moves his hands, the cage moves a little bit, and the fox gets jostled about. And it, it it seems to be healthy, completely healthy. It's just got the look of uh, horror on his face. That's not a talking fox, is it? Beg pardon? I, I, no. No, I just... I, I came out to check my, 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 my traps, and... This fellow was in it. I, I don't even trap for foxes. I, I don't even know what to do with him. Why don't you just let it go? Uh, well, um, I, I do it for two gold. I, I wouldn't kill this little thing. He's kind of cute and all, but if I sold him, I would at least get two gold for him. I'll buy him for two gold. Oh, well, here you go. I'll, I'll even throw in my trap. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I open the trap, let the fox out, and give him the trap back. Uh, oh, that was a daft thing to do. Uh, oh, um, but, well, Crikey, thank you for the, uh, the, the, the trap. And, and yeah. as the uh, fox it. hits the ground, it kind of just looks up at you and then just starts kind of going around your legs like a cat would. You too, fox. Get out of here before he traps you again. It just stays there. It's just okay. at your feet. I ignore it. Move on. 
Someone finally has an admirer. <laughs> I'll take this fox after you over your fiance. Well, if that's what you're into, I, I won't. Uh, very well. And with that, <laughs> um, Simon he points back and he says, "Right, right. Just follow my, uh, my, my tracks." It, it couldn't, can't be more than a hundred yards, just on the outside uh, of the tree line. Oh, it's a gruesome scene. That was poor man. I start, I start following his tracks. Oh, oh, don't walk too fast. Your girlfriends can't keep up. <laughs> but you having said that, the fox deftly, it, it just kind of takes four foot little hops and stays right up with Krieger, not leaving his side. Uh, we, I will follow Krieger in that direction. All right. Simon just stands there. He's kind of rubbing his chin, the beard on his chin. Quizzically, just he's looking at the two gold, looking back at you guys, and does the old bite the gold to make sure it's real. And he just watches you take, just, just watches you leave. And in about, like he said, in about 100 yards or so, you come to the clearing or the, the tree line, and you see a partially covered mounds in the snow. And as you get closer, you do see uh, what appears to be just a horrific sight. It's five men, pretty disfigured as far as a lot of bones broken, heads crushed in, bleeding from the eyes, just and partially frozen because of the cold. But you can tell there was quite a scuffle here although all five men are probably within just a few feet of each other in a pile like they did not have a chance to react their swords are still there uh, one of them still has a sheathed sword a couple of them their short swords are beside them two others their swords are still in their hand yeah pretty gruesome sight is there any indication of which way the attackers went yep there is Although they're not really, really fresh, but you can still see the indents, they go off in a northerly direction. Right. I think that's the way we need to go. You come upon a rock ledge that has some caves in it. There, it looks like there might be actually three entrances. The, the trail that you've kind of been following, the, the indents in the snow, it uh, accumulates at a rocky hillside with pines growing around its base. Set into the hill, there are three caves. The frozen creek emerges from the west cave, which has a low-hanging mouth. The center cave, an eight-foot-high passage hewn from the rock, is moderately blocked by a tight stand of conifers and two massive fallen logs. The northeast cave has a big yawning mouth and flickers of light illuminate from within. The tracks of your quarry head through this entrance. All right, all right, your leader. You're the man and you can do everything right, so why don't you lead us into the cave? Oh, I would, but, but don't you're you show too off much of, your You're too girlfriend? much of a coward, that's the answer. Right. I'm the little wizard. I'll go first if you're too afraid of it. 
Well, I just want to give you a chance to uh, show off for your new girlfriend. Yeah, it's a fox, you idiot. I'll start walking towards the cave. All right. It was said there are three entrances. Uh, oh, which okay. one are you going to go to? Yeah, there's three entrances. One that has a frozen creek coming out of it. The other one in the center. Okay, we'll call it, uh, let's see. The left entrance is the one with the frozen creek. The center entrance is an eight-foot-high passage that has, it's kind of blocked by a stand of conifers and two massive fallen logs. And then the one on the right, or the northeast, has a big yawning mouth and flickers with light from inside. And it looks like the tracks that you've been following, or at least the, the indents of those that you've been following, go that way. To where the, Which uh, opening is the smallest? The smallest would be the, the frozen creek. All right, that's the one I'll head towards. Okay. I'm going to turn towards the dwarf and be like, Dwarf, you know caves. Better than I, you know, I live in a castle. What do you think? Any tips? Just go for the big one. The big one? You think that's the best move? Head on, let's go. Well, he is a dwarf. He knows what he's talking about, I'm sure. And give Krieger walking to the small cave with his fox and look like <laughs> they must want some alone time. <laughs> and then I guess I'll head towards the larger cave. I'll head towards uh, Krieger. Alright, so let me get this straight. <laughs> you guys are basically splitting the party? Is that what you're hearing? Uh, which idiots do I follow? Yes, that, that is what they are doing. Alrighty then. Well, I mean, oh. I, if I know this dear him, be like, no, no, he needs some alone time. We are not splitting the party. Your leader is going somewhere. He, I was leading, and he's going somewhere else, so he's splitting, not me. Perhaps we should look at the one where the light is. By some should be that's where they are if we're going right. to kill them. Alright, sharing the map. Um, you stand before you can see the creek coming out of the left, from the left. And then you can see the true two fallen trees that are in front of the second ex entrance. And then a third entrance is the one to the right there, where you can see some flickering of light. So it looks like Krieger is going down the left path where the frozen stream is coming from. Who else follows, or where does everybody else go? I'm going to head down the stream as well. All right. This is a... Uh, you can tell it's water, although out where you guys were, there's snow over it. But you can tell there was a creek there. It's frozen ice. Uh, as you look farther into the passageway, not as much snow blows in here, so it goes from white to being uh, kind of a crystal blue frozen stream. And yep. I'll actually move ahead of Creeper okay. and Durhan. Alright. No need to put yourself in danger over a quarrel with that one. I'll keep myself between you in any harm's way. Yeah, much more useful from the back line. Okay, here is for you guys. To the north along the frozen stream, the tunnel splits with one way continuing uh, due north and the other veering east. The stream follows the dark 
northward tunnel, light from a distant fire is visible in the eastern tunnel. And we're going to hold you guys right there. And go back to Yalir and Montgomery. And I believe Montgomery is probably going to follow this group here. And if I could get you guys, Virian, Krieger, and Durhan, to just kind of stay where you're at for right now while I find out what Yalir's going to do. Yalir, are you going to take on this vast cave by yourself? Well, seeing the dwarf go the other way, I mean, and all the little people, he's got to follow behind them to keep them safe from the back. Okay. You find yourself in the back of the line. Virian, what are you going to do? Um, I am going to, from this point on, I'm going to need stealth checks for every 20 feet. Of okay. Uh, I was going to actually state that uh, I want to go in and trying to investigate the cavern that the light is coming from, the path that branches off to the right. Okay. Uh, and I was going to move stealthily doing that. All right, that's fine. And Would you like the tower? That's what I was about uh, to ask. Yeah, it's in the tower, please. I'm sorry, you're right. Okay, as... Uh, let's see. Let's get you back right in here. As you are just getting off of the stream... You must hit a thin patch of ice and it it cracks and it seems to echo forever in these caves. It is quite loud. Turn back and just kind of give everyone the signal to just hold a little bit and you know, hold my hand up with the palm facing towards them. Just basically the stop motion and act like I didn't just cause that and move over to this, I guess around this ledge here or the wall and kind of peek around the corner, see if I can make anything out. Okay, I'm going to keep you in the square there. All right. Okay. All right, that's your turn. Basically, what you can see is what you can see. As uh, you stop after making the loud noise and kind of tuck up behind this little outcropping, uh, you see what appears to be the cave open up a little bit, and you can almost swear you see what appears to be a, a circular shaped excavation in this path that you're under this pathway that you're in and that's about all you can see is what you're actually seeing you can see that it goes across the middle and then to your right it looks like it almost curves and that's about all you see right now all right krieger what are you gonna do this is creek um, is it frozen or is it? It, it is frozen, yes. But okay. it, it's hard to determine how thick and if there are any thin pockets, as Virian very well found. Okay. Um, I'm going to move up here against the wall. Okay. I'll... And I will hold there. I'll give you a stealth yep. check. Nope, nope. That was only, uh, I'm saying 20 feet. You only move 15. When you take your okay. next few steps, I'll require one then. Uh, Durhan, right. you're next. Okay. Okay, Durhan's going to move 20 feet to the north along the outside left of the frozen stream. Give me a stealth check in the tower. Practically laughable, but okay. You make it to there as quietly as can be without any snap, crackles, or pops from the ice or snow. 
Montgomery is going to try to stay with you. He's going to go. All right, as he uh, comes up behind you, he slips just a little bit, making a sound. Not near as loud as the cracking sound, but it, it, it could be heard by Virian as he uh, had a little misstep there. Yalir, your turn. Yalir is going to move ooh, his full movement, it looks like, right along the, on top of the ice, all the way up right behind Krieger, his buddy. You, uh, Best friends forever. You make it there with practically not a sound other than maybe a few crunches in the snow, but not an echo at all. So you're good there. All right, Virian, your turn. You are now at a crossroads. You, you can either go due north along the stream, or you can go to the right in a portion of the cave that seems to open up. Okay, I'm going to head to the right here in the part that's opening up. That is where the light is flickering from, correct? It is coming from, oh, let me make a little circle here for you. It's coming from this area, but you really can't see it, but that's where it's coming from. The faintness, I mean, it's very faint, but you, that's where you're seeing it from. Okay. Keeping uh, hugging towards the wall, I will slowly move into the area. All right didn't go 20 so I don't need a, a check as you get here you do see that this indeed seems to be kind of a circle almost on your left as you look north you see that there are like niches in the top edge of this circle and the bottom portion of the circle you see about 20 feet away from you small little niches or cutouts in what appears to be a hallway Okay. going to just stay a little bit to the wall and kind of look, see about going around this circle a little bit more. And let me get my... All right. You do so without incident or noise. Put you there, Junior Square. Okay. Is that, uh, is that, looks like possibly a staircase I see to the north of me? Yes, it is. Uh, you see two stairs that appear to be going upward from where you are. Okay. All right, let's see. We're going to go with uh, Krieger. Should go next? Okay, coming up behind Virian. You're going to the left. You now, too, see that this is like a circular cutout area with a large... It looks like it could be man-made or maybe it's natural, but in the middle of the circle that it dissects the circle uh, from left to right. And you too, it looks like you see a couple of the stairs as well that lead upward. Yep. All right, who's next? Valir, Yalir, excuse me, Yalir, you're a... I'll uh, scuttle across this little creek. All right, hop over it quite nimbly. And as you reach this point, you see uh, Krieger to your north, uh, you see a large, maybe 10, 15 feet across in places, um, part of a opening that seems to go on quite some ways, but also you see Krieger and Virian 
going up to what appears to be part of a circular area. It looks to be not natural. And also to your right, just in front of you, about 10 feet. It also appears to go down in a circular motion. It does not appear to be a natural formation. Durhan. Okay. So I will start to move across over to here. And uh, I guess that will be my movement for now. Yep. Yep. You do see, barely see Krieger. You see him up there. You can't really tell where he's going, the uh, terrain going in. Montgomery is going to uh, cross over to you here. That's only 15 feet, so no check needed. All right. Back to you, Varian. Okay. Seeing, looking back, seeing everyone's following behind, I'm gonna kind of motion them to to keep keep up with me, but we're moving slowly, and we're gonna peek around and see if we can see what's up these stairs. All right, as you get right there, okay. You no, know, the you see a torch here, but it is not moving. It it seems to be stationary. You can't really see because of that little uh, peninsula, I guess, it's sticking out. You can see to that point, and that's it. Um, so you cannot see past that. Okay. We're going to go ahead and just hold here for now, and I'm going to kind of signal to Krieger that there seems to be a light source around the corner, and just kind of, with my hand just wide out, just kind of give them a motion, like, stay down, keep quiet, they're... There's probably people here. That's your turn then? Yes, and I'm pointing around the corner right. as well towards where that light is. All right. He sees you. I ignore his motions and I, and I, um, oops, and I come up behind him. All right. And that'll be it. All right. Yalir, you too can see this flicker of light, which you can see even more now. And uh, since you have moved there, you can see source of the light. You see a huge being sitting cross-legged on the floor. He seems to be mesmerized by this torch. He's holding it. His hands are in between his legs, kind of like between his knees. He's holding this torch kind of out and away from him. He's like peering into the flame. And I will let you see this guy. But that is uh, what you see. I will duck back behind the rock. I just came out. All right, give me a behind. stealth check, please. Okay. And then I will All right. motion back at uh, Durhan. Raise my hand way above my head. And point back around the side of this rock. All right. Uh, you hear no movement, so it appears that he did not hear or see you. Durhan. Okay. I'll move up there. All right. Move a little bit further into that little alcove there. All right. You um, you can really see the light well. I mean, you can see the torches illuminating this large. Well, basically, what you see is a chest and head. Um, you don't know that he's sitting cross-legged, but you see a head and chest. Uh, for all you know, it's only about three, four foot high from this distance. Okay, I will uh, stay right there. Uh, just in case, I will uh, ready my Warhammer. 
All right, Devereaux, uh, Montgomery, Devereaux moves to just the southwest of Yalir. It's going to pull stealth check. Tower. Again, he, you can hear him, but it's not an overabundance of noise. It's just the crunching of the snow uh, under his feet. Virian, you are up. Okay, so I can obviously Krieger's right here beside me. The others, I can't see this point, but you said it sounds like they're following behind us. Um, yeah. I mean, the the footsteps are very light. Um, nobody has failed to check, so you're assuming that they are either right behind you in the, the hallway or somewhere else fairly close. Okay. I'm going to motion to Krieger that I'm going to check up the stairs, and I'm going to, I guess... Do they just stop right here? Is there anything past them, or because all I see is just a little stair here? Yep, it's. Let me see. It is five feet. Let's see. We put this in. Well, you haven't actually looked up there. You might be able to see to the very flat part of the floor, I guess. So kind of disregard the rest of that. You can see that it it uh, the stairs end, and there is possibly a floor there. Okay, I'm going to move up. Move up the stairs. All right, if you stop right there, as you look back, if you look back over your right shoulder, you will see this torchlight uh, illuminating also possibly just a shoulder and a knee of something down here in this hallway. But other than that, uh, you see a larger room, 10 foot high, 15 foot square room which has a narrow natural exits on either side. In the middle of this room, excuse me, is a rectangular stone block, seven foot long, four foot wide, and three foot tall. Pictographs on the walls of the chamber tell a tale of one tribe's journey through mighty mountains and across a perilous tundra. Okay. Um, From what I see of the knee and elbow is it kind of like a slumped over posture like something might be sitting down it's hard to tell possibly it's hard to tell i'm gonna look at krieger and i'm gonna hold my hand up with like the number one on my finger and i'm gonna point directly down that way towards what i believe is a elbow and knee and kind of make the shushing motion direction are you pointing north or Southeast, okay. Basically, around the uh, the circular area and out, I'll be pointing towards the southeast, and then I'm going to to quietly move into this room and kind of get a better look at this tablet. And I believe I've moved a total of twenty. So, yep. Stealth check, please. All right, you uh, tiptoe up to the top. And basically, again, what you are seeing is, uh, i tell you what, give me, uh, I'll let you choose insight, history, or investigation, whatever you have higher on. All right. Uh, this looks for every purpose to be some kind of a sarcophagus. 
a burial chamber, possibly. It's the right dimensions. Uh, at least the uh, rectangular stone block is. The pictographs or pictures or you know, crude drawings on the wall, it, it just looks like a story that's being told. Um, you know, you see mountains, you see uh, maybe some huge animals attacking stick figures, uh, that type of thing. Okay. And I will go ahead and that will be my turn. So I just look at the drawings and the story laid out upon the sarcophagus. Okay. So, Krieger, you're next. Okay. So, I will step over here. Okay. So, I'm not seeing anything around the corner that he was saying was over there? Uh, no. Not at this point. Okay. So, I will work my way up here. Okay, that's your 20, so I'll need one you as well. Uh, stealth check. But you see the same right. thing that was described. Uh, uh, 15 by 15 room with a 10-foot ceiling. Uh, what appears to be a possible sarcophagus or at least a rectangular stone block. 7 by 4 by 3 foot tall with the uh, crude drawings on the wall of it, you know, it's hard to tell what, but... Okay. Um, did you say you wanted me to roll with advantage because of my boots? Yes, yes, please. Okay. So I'll, uh, I'll take a look at this sarcophagus. Um, does it seem like it... Um, I don't know, I'll try to, like... Is it just a lid on top of a stone... You know, rectangle, basically? Because it looks like it's a slab of stone sealing the top of it. Loco? Sorry. Uh, there's about a five inch uh, overhang, if you will, and then what you would think is, uh, you know, where the, the actual sarcophagus sarcophagus is so there's a lid that's about five inches deep or thick and it is solid stone from what you can tell okay um i will um start looking around the seams of it and see if i can see any kind of traps or anything trip wires or anything that are so if we move the stone would it set any kind of trap off or anything okay um would you want an investigation like for that uh, do you have, uh, you have, uh, don't have I am proficient in investigation. Okay. You have, well, I'm, I'm investigating. So that's, I'm okay. looking for yeah, you can, it. So. Yeah. Go ahead. That's good. Okay. It does not appear that there are any traps. Okay. That's it. Okay. Um, 
since both of you are in that room, give me a history check, please, in the tower. So it looks like Virian said he was taking his yeah, dog that, out. That's fine. Not a problem. We'll, we'll come back to you two. Um, I'm going to let Durhan okay. go. Okay. I'm going to move there. All right. You uh, see to your left a set of stairs, four, five, four stairs going upward. Um, you might be able to see the top of Krieger's head from there. But yeah, you see that the ring, or whatever you want to call it, uh, continues to go around to your right, with the stairs going up to your north. Okay, I'll keep my Warhammer ready, and that will be... All right, Yulier, you're up. I will actually ready my weapon to prepare an attack, and just keep my back to this uh, little rock by listening around the corner, in case we're going to get flanked by this one... Okay. Sitting individual. All right. Very good. And I think Montgomery will do the same. He will ready an action. He will not uh, move since you're not moving. And with that, we bring this session to a close. We hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to subscribe to the Praetor's Rejects podcast on your favorite audio platform. Rhyme of the Frost Maiden podcast has been brought to you by Total Party Kill Games, creators of dark fantasy Dungeons and Dragons compatible products, plus hilarious card games and more. You can find them at www.totalpartykill.games and check out their latest releases of products and books. The Druid's Den, your place for magical supplies and apothecary needs. Their website is located at www.thedruidsden.com. Make sure and support Mama Prater's new endeavor.